Oh, hello. Welcome to another Rahalasta part with me, Rich Terring, and my guest, Takeface. But which Takeface will it be? Who knows? We don't know who it is. Um, he's a lovely fella. This was recorded at the Richmond Theatre, which is a lovely place to be. And if you like these podcasts, please come and see us on tour. Uh, we're still doing some throughout 2020. We're in Birmingham, I think, March the 28th, selling very fast. No guests for any of these are yet announced or indeed booked. Um, but that one sold out in double quick time last year, and it's a big venue. It'll be lovely. Lovely if it could sell out again. It looks like it's going to. We're in Norwich in April. One of those shows has sold out. The other one has very few tickets left as I speak. So please head to richchain.com slash gigs very quickly if you want to come to see one of those shows. Uh, you can also see me at the Leicester Square Theatre where I belong uh, throughout March and April. Uh, I'm aiming very high with the guests. I'm hoping to have some doozies for you. It's worth booking ahead because... When those names are announced, they will sell out very quickly, and they're all going to be good. I just promise you that. So, look, come on, enough waffling around. Let's just have a look at this podcast, and I listen to this podcast, depending on which medium we are using to ingest it. It's Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast, now known as Rahulastapa, with Tapeface. It's Tapeface. All right, bye. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the beautiful Richmond Theatre. Please welcome a man who, despite what rumours you may have heard, is not having an ice cream party. It's Richard Herring! Hey, you guys up there, right up there at the top. Hey, yeah. Hey, lovely to be in Richmond. Hello. Oh, how fantastic to be here in beautiful Richmond. Uh, welcome to Richard Herring's Labrador Speciesism Tribunal podcast. It's um, got to find a new direction with podcasts because you know, there's so many out there. You have to find your own angle. What is is finding people who've been specious to Labradors and and putting them up against judges, basically, to see if they should be sent to prison. Every week, we'll get a different celebrity guest in to find when they've been prejudiced against Labradors. <laughs> And then we'll find out what they've done and then meet out their punishments. But I haven't found out in advance if any of the guests have been prejudiced against Labradors. So it might be quite a short show. But I was hanging out on Richmond Park uh, the other day and a baby that had just been delivered by Brian Blessed <laughs> just, just spitting out his umbilical cord. That baby calls it Rehalistabus. I don't know if that's going to catch on. Richmond's a lovely place. We might talk about it more when we're back here. We're coming back next week, actually. So do come along if you... If you're around next week. Uh, but I just will explain the, uh, the ice cream party uh, reference. Uh, I was uh, going to the supermarket. Now, I've had some problems at supermarkets before. If you followed my career, you will know. And um, I, weren't buy, I weren't buying very many things. I just had to buy a few groceries. But I bought quite a lot of ice cream, okay? And as we got to the checkout, I was there with my two kids. And the woman at the checkout said, Ooh, are you having an ice cream party? And I thought that was a bit rude. I've been picked up before my, uh, uh, I've been shamed before about my, um, for my lactose tolerance. If you've seen my yogurt, <laughs> yogurt show. And I have to say, okay, it wasn't that much ice cream. Okay, what I bought was two tubs of Haagen-Dazs ice cream, one tub of that low-calorie uh, salted caramel stuff. You get 340 calories a tub now, which is great, but the problem is I just eat the whole tub, so I might as well have bought the Haagen-Dazs. Uh, eight yogurt ice, ice lollies. They're not even made of ice cream. Uh, eight Soleros, which I live on, as a, that's my diet, I live on one of those a day. Uh, 24 Tangle Twisters, you get 12 of those in a pack, there's just two packs of Tangle Twisters 
Uh, eight fruit pastel lollies. That's all, that's all of that's two packs of fruit pastel. There's not that many ice creams and lollies. I don't think. I was just stocking. I said, no, we're just stocking up. The kids eat a lolly a day each, and I eat a Solera a day each. That's like 48 lollies, and I'd say 12, two, three tubs, like 12 to 16. That's no kind of ice cream party. If I, invited, if I was having an ice cream party, I'd get 30 or 40 people around. I think if they said, oh, we get what? We get one and a half lollies each. So they've got this, what kind of ice cream pie is this? That I get a selection, the two haagen with the same ice cream. It's not an ice cream pie, is it? But I uh, got quite angry with the word. I thought it's quite, it actually is it's better than someone likes yogurt, isn't it? Which is the thing that uh, got my anger last time this happened to me. Because it's sort of more, it seems more friendly, but it's much more sarcastic, isn't it? Oh, you're having an ice cream party, are you? You fucking greedy. <laughs> we ate three of the Soleros the minute we got home, so you know, that's, there's only three Soleros left. That wasn't just me, that was me and my two kids. They shouldn't eat those left for me. <laughs> I don't know what anyway, right, we're going to crack on. At Richmond next week, so uh, <laughs> a lot to say. I'll tell you this about Richmond I was looked at the house prices, it's a very posh place. Um, basically, they're all they're concerned with here is making sure no travelers come and stay here for a second. <laughs> that's basically their own, as long as no travelers are here, they're happy. That's I looked up some house prices, uh, and you can get you can get a, I was surprised 155,000 pounds. That's not bad, is it? You can get. A houseboat for that, a two-bedroom houseboat. <laughs> With mooring, that's concluding mooring, so that's not bad, is it? That's all right. Anyway, my guest this week is probably best known for his appearance on the red carpet at the Lord of the Rings Return of the King premiere. That is pretty... <laughs> that's it. it doesn't get much better than that. I'd be very surprised to hear he's done anything better than that in his life. Will you please welcome... I don't know if he's got the tape on his face or not. If he has, it's going to be quite a... Quite a short interview, <laughs> or just a very, very long interview. <laughs> Will you please welcome, ladies and gentlemen, his tape face? Oh, he's got a mouth. He's got a mouth. Welcome. Sit down there. Sit down. Hello. Oh. You can speak. I can speak. Wow. I, have a, I have a human mouth and everything. Ooh. <laughs> Fantastic. What do you remember about that? Must have been exciting, being on the red carpet of the Lord of the Rings. It sounds really exciting, yeah. but I was actually booked as a shitty street performer to yeah. do gigs to entertain the people who had waited there for 12 hours. Right. So it wasn't as glamorous as all that. <laughs> Did you see any of the hobbits? Nope. Oh, everyone in New Zealand was in the film. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> we were all there. So that was in Christchurch, was it? Was it? That was in Wellington. Oh, yeah. Was yeah, yeah, everyone got it. Yeah, it's all the same. Yeah, we're over there. One of those places. Every, everywhere in New Zealand is Hobbiton. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, let's talk about those street performing days because you did a lot before Tape Face came along. And we'll I talk did about have a bit of stuff you, you going did a lot on of before. Stuff before. Yeah. And you talked before. I did talk a lot before. Yeah. <laughs> People like it when I don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good trick if you can get away with it. I'm oh, going to try and, try and get that no talking <laughs> thing going. Well, you've got the stripes. Yeah, it was, yeah. I thought about that. I was worried about wearing this, and then I thought, but then you, I saw you turned up in a t-shirt, so it's fine. Um, you start. You started young. You were trained as a clown when you were thirteen years old. You are. You actually stalked a clown when you were a child, a clown, which yeah, is trained. what a turnaround that is. <laughs> everything, everything's, ups, everything's upside down in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was born in Dunedin and I got given a magic set as a kid. I think everyone gets a magic set at some point and you learn magic tricks or whatever. I got obsessed about learning magic tricks. 
and I stalked our local clown in our small town of Timaru in New Zealand. And I followed this guy around shopping malls and watching his shows over and over and over. And I, I found out where he lived. <laughs> <laughs> I went to his house and I kind of knocked on his door and yeah. I auditioned myself on his doorstep. And he, right. uh, he called my parents immediately. <laughs> so they made a deal that I could be in his show on the weekends and whatnot. And I got to hang out and learn to be a clown. So. Right. so yeah, did you good. learn all his, were you spoiling his tricks as you see him say, I know how you do that one. <laughs> yeah, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you're juggling. Oh, no. Um, yeah, no, he didn't really have a lot of tricks. No. He was not that, um, in crawling. hindsight, he was a good clown, but yeah, he was lovely. Uh, but he, uh, he taught me how to juggle. So I gave up on magic and I moved into juggling and I became very obsessed about juggling to the point that I actually dropped out of school to juggle more. Right. I had very, very understanding parents. <laughs> I was also homeschooled, so I think it was a double blow for them. <laughs> <laughs> you still have to see them. It's really awkward. Yeah. So, so I, I did this, this, this juggling all day long, and, and then I became a bit of a street performer. And then I found out that there was a circus school in New Zealand, so I sort of ran away and joined a circus school. Right. And so I studied circus, which you can do. And so I studied at uh, Circle Arts in Christchurch, New Zealand, for two years. I majored in juggling. I minored in acrobatics, trapeze, high wire climbing, and mime. Okay. And that was my day for two years. And then when I finished my qualifications, I stayed on as a teacher. So I taught jugglers. I taught jugglers for other people in Blitz and Bobs and whatnot. Um, Could and you major in custard pies? Was that a meal? <laughs> <laughs> people Just, did do some weird yeah. things. Yeah, people would major. Like I lived with this guy, Kintaro Koshishi. He was a Japanese student. He came over to, to New Zealand because he liked Charlie Chaplin. He had no experience whatsoever. <laughs> and he, he had the best broken English, and we lived together for two years. But by the end of the class, end of the year, he could ride a unicycle on a rope juggling five balls right. because he was just that focused and he wanted to learn it. Yeah. And, and I tried to tell him over and over that Chaplin never did that. <laughs> <laughs> and not in New Zealand, definitely no, not in New Zealand. Big language barrier. It was really hard. My, my accent and him, oh, it didn't work. <laughs> and so you moved into that, that sort of stuff. It's the Jim Rose stuff. Were you actually in the Jim Rose? No, I just, just I really love that style of, of the humour. The Jim Rose, the Coney Island Circus Sideshow Freak Show yeah. stuff. Because when I, when I just discovered circus, I discovered Circus Sideshow and Freak Show. And I still love the freak show acts. I love the bearded ladies, the sword swallowers, the, the grotesque and the oddities of it all. The people, yeah. who, people who do all the body modification stuff I think is fascinating and it's really, really fun. I like yeah. where it's going. And so I started learning how to do those tricks of hammering four-inch nails up my nose, putting balloons up my nose, coughing them out my mouth, trying to hammer brass tacks into my eyes, that sort of thing. Just, yeah, it's great fun. Yeah. yeah. Just another Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, also it's a weird walking on broken glass. I used to do one routine where I would put my face into a pile of broken glass and I had a friend who was a dwarf. He would stand on the back of my head and recite poems. It was great. <laughs> I love what I love about that is every time I go to see stuff like that, I just think, you know, this is such a weird way to make it. If you could go uh, yeah. back 10,000 years to the people work, living on the plains and scraping to make a living on the Serengeti or whatever. Yeah, there would have been one what? of them, though, going, look at this, i got a cactus, I'm going to put it on my butt. <laughs> might <have> <laughs> everyone else would be laughing. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw, I, there was a guy I saw who did a thing you do as well, which was to put himself through a tennis, tennis racket, racket. Yeah. Which you got to go, that's such, I mean, it's such a crazy idea. It, it is. I've obviously seen a tennis racket without any strings in it, I think. I think Please. it was. <laughs> oh, now we're getting next level. It's <laughs> good. It comes out of some mints. You can only do it once, but it's brilliant. Uh, 
And you sort of think, how weird to, to have trained up to do that. Yeah. And, although I saw you talking about the tennis racket thing and you just had a big tennis racket. Shut up, don't That's ruin it. That's what you said don't online. Don't ruin it. It's online. <laughs> it is. I always, the trick for me, like, like I, I have a very flexible shoulder. Like, yeah. I can kind of, I'm, I'm hypermobile in one part of my shoulder. Like, I'm not, I don't dislocate my shoulder, but people do really do it, do it properly. I, you can buy a pretty big tennis racket, okay? <laughs> the trick is to keep it moving all the time. <laughs> and if you've got one body part in it, it already looks full. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> could you still get through that if you could? If you Hell could, if you, no. no. Have you seen this? <laughs> <laughs> Fat clown. <laughs> and do you, what, do, you, what, do you still do that sort of stuff as well? You do like... I, I, I try and do a, a... I used to try and do a street festival once a year yeah. just to kind of break away. The last street festival I did was in Lundshut in Germany and like I'd been doing tape face for like five or six years. So it was really fun to go to Germany and nobody knew and had seen tape face at all. So I had a, like 10 days of just yelling at Germans going, <laughs> I've got to put my body through a tennis racket! <laughs> they didn't understand me either. <laughs> it <was good>. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a crazy circuit. When I was doing the Edinburgh Fringe podcast... Um, Phil Nickel recommended a guy called Rumpel, who you probably oh, must yeah. have come across. Oh, yeah, Rumpel's fantastic. Yeah. He's mad as a hatter. He certainly is. I had yeah. to interview him twice, I think, <laughs> and it was, uh, it was quite a challenge. It's <laughs> worth searching those out if you haven't heard <laughs> Yeah, he does, like, endurance street shows. Like, yeah. he does, like, a 27-hour street show or something yeah. like that. He's mad, yeah. but brilliantly mad. But there must be a lot. I mean, there's a lot of mad comedians, but there must be more. The, the, the ratio of mad people must be more within that, especially In the street performer, I think community, yeah, maybe so. I, I yeah. always consider street performers, like, street performing in general, I consider the bungee jumping of comedy. Yeah. Like, it's, you have to really jump in and go for it. And also, the, the street performers I still consider to be the last of the living pirates uh, to a degree, which is <laughs> kind of cool. Yeah. The downside is that as we're moving forwards into a cashless society, it is making the busking and street performing a lot harder. So street performers are having to evolve into, you know, having tap cards and fringe tip and that sort of thing and working yeah, yeah. it out. It gets, you know, you know and, and then the moment you're tracking it, then, well, then you've got to pay tax. <laughs> <laughs> That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, uh, well, you, so you won quite a lot of comedy. You, did, you were doing stand-up comedy as well as, you, as well as the street performance? Oh, yeah, I sort of double-gunned everything yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah, I was sort of doing a bit of street performing and then doing stand-up comedy back um, in New Zealand. You're still very young at this stage. You're in your early yeah. 20s when you... Early kind of, 20s doing... Yeah. In, in New Zealand as well. Because I moved from doing street performing, I moved indoors to, to do comedy. Jared Christmas actually got me into comedy. Oh, did he? Because yeah. one of his comedians bailed on a gig last minute and he rung me up and he was like, can you come down and do some weird stuff? And I was like, yeah, can I juggle fire? And he was like, no, you can't juggle fire. <laughs> and so, all right, fine, I'll come down. And I did all this weird stuff and I realised it's a lot easier to entertain a people who have come and paid to come into a venue yeah. rather than trying to stop people on their lunch breaks. Yeah, <laughs> and when there's a roof to yeah, keep the helps. rain out yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it stops the rain and the attitude. <laughs> it's nice. And so, well, the, the boy with the, well, the boy with tape on his face, face as it was originally. Yes, uh, 2005. yeah. Uh, did, did this really come about? You 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 had just tried to do a, a, a silent an act character, that, yeah, and you couldn't stop talking. I, I'd talk a lot yeah. at the best of times, and so yeah, the first version of Tape Face didn't have tape. The boy of Tape Face didn't have tape. I think I tried to call it some weird French name that I didn't really understand, and I because all I was doing was I'd, I won this comedy award in 2005 called the Billy T. James Award for a show called Dance Monkey Dance, which was my life story doing all these weird carny tricks and whatnot. And everyone expected me after doing that show and winning that award to just keep doing shows like that. Yeah, and I. 
I hate it when people expect me to do things. The moment somebody expects me to do something, I'll try and do anything to not do what you expect. So I, I started telling people, I'm going to do a silent character. And everyone was like, you can't shut up for a minute. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so the first version didn't have tape and I, I wandered out and I, I lasted. I tried to do, the music was playing and everything. And I just didn't know what I was doing. And somebody in the front row did something and I just went, ah, that's pretty funny. And then I'd ruined the act kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So I came back the next night and there was another comedian at the comedy club in New Zealand who said to me, the only way you can do a silent character is if you gaffer tape your mouth shut. Yeah. And that was kind of where it came about. It was yeah. more necessity than character driven. Do you, do you, I mean, that is, so it's that guy's idea, basically. It's yeah, the you other notice guys. that I didn't say his name. I know, I yeah. know. Yeah. 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 yeah, he's not getting credited for this. <laughs> Fuck him. Does, he, does he remember? No, and I'm not reminding him either. <laughs> Jesus, are you mad? <laughs> I'm a street performer at heart, remember that. <laughs> I ain't paying tax on that. I mean, it's having the idea and then deciding to do the idea. Yeah, it's a very different very thing. Very different, very, very different area. No, he's pretty cool. He's pretty fun. But, it's, but it, it, it's a genius idea. I mean, and, and I don't think you expected it to evolve into no, what it's become. It was originally a five-minute joke to yeah. prove a point that I could shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and now but it's this. But through that, I mean, there's so, there's so many repercussions to it. Obviously, one is you're not speaking, so you can literally go, go anywhere in the yeah, world. Yeah, we do. Decide. It's mad. We go yeah. to all sorts of countries. We go, yeah, we mean to China, to Singapore. Even Australians understand us. Good. <laughs> <laughs> <Free> New Zealand. <laughs> so I mean, it's, it's it's genius. But I was, you know, we were slightly talking about stage about the amount of travel. You know, I find it difficult just touring around the UK, yeah. and I'm quite glad that that's where the limits of my <laughs> anyone interested in me. Hello to my five fans in Denmark. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, but you know, that's a, that's a hectic schedule for you. You know, it you're, is, I mean, you're, now, you're world famous, and that means you have to go everywhere. In the we world. do go everywhere. It's kind of fun, though. I still like traveling. It's it's yeah. getting beginning to now take its toll on me. Like I, I've sort of I'm I, the thing I hate the most about traveling is other people who don't know how to travel. So so when I was in New Zealand, I was a very late traveler as well. I didn't travel until I was about 28. I did not leave the country. Right. So it was pretty late. And the only way, the way I prepared for travel was I watched all of those travel shows of Border Patrol and, <laughs> and that sort of thing. So I watched hundreds of hours, hundreds and hundreds. I know every situation, every possible outcome because I'm a freaked out, paranoid traveler. So I know how to travel. Yeah. People who stand there waiting for the x-ray machine who can't get their laptop out, I want to hit with a stick with a nail. <laughs> just like, learn to travel, mother. The fuckers learn to travel. <laughs> Sorry, it annoys me. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Fine. It's like it could be faster. Just yeah, that's the only part I don't like. But you know, as a prop comedian, it's become like a big. It's a lot of props. It is a lot of props, and I get I, every time I've, I was saying to my friends earlier, I've started collecting the little bits of paper from um, the American Security Border Patrol where they go, "We have inspected your bag." <laughs> Because when it goes through an x-ray machine, it looks really funny. <laughs> there's a toilet seat, horses' heads, there's yeah. a plunger, there's all sorts of weird things. I once had a woman at security did say to me, do you have anything in your suitcase? And I couldn't help myself. And I said, yes, I have two horses' heads and a toilet seat. And she was just like, go away. <laughs> like, oh, you didn't see that on Border Patrol. Do you not think of uh, just having a a lock-up in every country with all the stuff in it and multiple copies or does it need to be the same one? I do have lock-ups in multiple yeah. countries. <laughs> I still do it. I still have some props that I, I can't find anywhere else. Right. That's the problem when I write jokes. So if I write a bit of material, I can buy a prop and then I'll shove it into a storage facility and I'll leave it there for a while and then I'll find the joke and then I madly try and find the shop again to buy that prop or right. find it online. So it's like the, the, the original oven gloves that I used, like I bought the entire shop of those but that's, right. that was four pairs of oven gloves. Right. So that, that's my lot. And like, 
I've got a toy lion that I can tip up and it stands up on its head. And so I'm, I'm the weird guy alone in a toy shop surrounded by families trying to balance lions on their heads and looking creepy and weird. So does it come that way around? You're just looking at things and, try, and yeah. trying to work out their alternative? I, I've got a feeling, my, my outlook is on, on imagination is that your imagination is like a muscle that you should exercise every single day. And a lot of people and adults grow up and forget to use it. So for me, I will continually find ways and games to play can, just to, to keep going, to keep yeah. playing. Well, so. it's, char- it's a sort of childlike yeah, yeah, ability, it's... which again, it's sort of within my emergency questions. I find adults can't really come up with them very no. I mean, I, I for some reason can, but uh, kids can sort of come yeah, up with them. Yeah, kids instantly, because kids don't have that filter where you're yeah. told, you know, do this, do this, do that. Yeah, yeah you can just go, well, this is, this is how it is. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously this, I mean, we'll whisk through a little bit, but the, the, the boy take face, take face, um, you did very well in Edinburgh, and Melbourne yes. and Edinburgh, you yes. won the panel prize in Edinburgh. Yes. And so, the, I mean, the... the the life-changing decision was to go on America's Got Talent. Yeah, that was the big one. Yeah, yeah. which is a, it's a difficult... I mean, I, w- I, would, I would say, in hindsight, do you think it was a good idea? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was quite a good idea. But for some people, it would be a terrible oh, absolutely, idea. Absolutely, right? yeah. So it's, a, it's a big risk. You must have thought very hard about I'm, I'm doing a, it. I'm a very calculated performer when it comes to planning and structure. Like, for, even for Edinburgh Fringe, I, I spent three years developing the, the plan to go there for 2010. Right. And then I worked my nine-year plan to try and win. I was trying to win the Perrier Award that yeah. year, and I wasn't allowed to. So I had to win the panel prize, so I was really bummed about that. So I, I sort of planned out all of my Watson bits and pieces. So with America's Got Talent, I planned out the logistics of what would be every possible scenario and outcome, so that way I knew how I could play it best. Yeah. It's just a big game to me. I'm a big game fan. I love any sort of board games, Monopoly games, and also online games and things like that. So everything's a game. So it's like, how can I win? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I find that fun. That's his fun. Well, I, I, know, I know that exactly that. You are very well planned. But with something like America's Got Talent, America's Got Talent, if you watch that... First mm. performance on it, uh, and you're obviously you're backstage, not talking to anyone and, and behaving yeah. weirdly. And then you come on stage and you're behaving quite weirdly. weirdly yeah. I mean, compared they, they, to most they people, they originally like backstage. You, everyone gets assigned a producer to sort of hang out and look yeah. after you and everything. And I remember going right right before going on stage, the producer was like, um, "Okay, so the judges know nothing about you." And I was like, "Right, boom, stop." We had to stop filming because I had two rules on the show: was that I would never ever speak on the show, no matter what happened, yeah. and they couldn't film me without tape on my face ever. That was right. the agreements for me being on the show. So the moment that they told me that the judges didn't know anything about me, I took the tape off. We stopped filming, and I said, "Before I go on stage, they." have to know two things. One was that I was lucky enough to be invited to do the Royal Variety performance in 2011. So for me, that validated me as a performer. So it's like, he must be good if he's done that. Oh, dad's on. Um, uh, so <laughs> They're very surprised here. It's just, just my goodness. Mickey D gag there. Um, so, so that validated me as a performer to be uh, 2000 doing the Royal Variety. Yeah. And then the second thing I told them that they had to know was that I'm not as mental as I look. <laughs> so, so there was that. But the audience don't know, and so with that show, they do all the. They have some people mic'd up. Yeah, the they're mic's all over the place going, and whatnot. What's this guy? He looks yeah. crazy. I don't like it. I'm scared. And it is quite scary. Yeah. But then absolutely. it's the sort of audacity, and the, I mean, it's the. Comp- I mean, obviously, there has to be a huge amount of confidence in this character. Yeah. For it, to, for it to work. Well, the joy of the character was that I didn't care. Yeah. There was no. I never wanted to win. They would always say, "So why do you want to win?" And I would always do that. I'd say three. And. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, the, so the TV show was confused about that at the best yeah. of times, and okay. I never knew why I was there. And every time they would say, like, they did this stock standard filming of going, can you pace around backstage looking nervous? And I'd like, no. 
now I can walk around and look at a wall if you want, but it would be mostly me just being an idiot. And yeah. that was it. So it was kind of fun in that sense when other contestants were on stage and everyone was told to kind of look forwards and not move. I got, I got to kind of stand there and just exist. Yeah. It was just kind of fun it's, and get distracted. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting and, and, and you know, it's, it, it grips you and that audience mm. are gripped what's going on. And then the time you take to get, I mean, it's the other gloves, which, yeah. is, uh, which probably everyone knows now, but I'm guessing it's one of those jokes that people still want to see. Oh, that is my, that's my stairway to heaven. Yeah. There's no getting away from that. That's which, again, a, is unusual for comedy. Most yeah. people will have seen the joke, go, wait, we've seen it. gloves! Yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, so to... Do you imagine that? <laughs> Shut up and do the gloves! He's gonna do the gloves. He's, he's waiting till the end to do the gloves. That's gonna be. <laughs> Have you got them here? Uh, it's a beautiful piece, and then you yeah. know, and then you do the lady in, in lady red, red dance. Thing, yeah. yeah. So, so you've got them, but it, you've got them, but it's sort of so audacious because you might not have. I mean, yeah. I guess you know you've, you've done it so many times, you know you have got, you will get them. But. I also, like, when I talked with the producers as well, like, you don't get paid, no one gets paid to go on America's Got Talent. They, right. they, they cover your travel, so I got to go there, which was, yeah, I got to fly to America. Um, so, but, but I kind of knew that if they were going to spend the money to fly me to America, they, they wouldn't have just put me on to buzz me off. No. It's like, and I did say that to them, because I was about to start a UK tour right before doing the, the audition, and my biggest concern was that they were going to make me look completely ridiculous, and then my tour would really suffer in this country. So that yeah. would be the worst thing possible and I was trying to explain that to them over and over and over and over and they came back and said to me that if they wanted somebody crazy they would just grab someone off the street they have more than <laughs> enough to choose from in America yeah. <laughs> and so uh, so getting me there I kind of knew that okay they do want the act to be yeah. there I didn't know how long I was going to make it so that first audition was pretty much the moment that audition went out it went viral I could have gone home after that we had yeah. pretty much achieved the goal at that point yeah yeah, yeah. fair enough yeah, it's that dreaded word exposure and for me it was like that's all we wanted just that yeah. exposure uh, well, it's, well, you certainly got that. You obviously progressed to the final. Um, there's, a, there's a great clip with you and uh, Scary Spice. Yes. You get scary. Because you, you have a lot of audience participation in the act anyway. See, it wasn't meant to be her. Really? That was meant to be Simon. Yeah. Okay. So, so I plan again, I planned out everything. I wanted the finale of the show. If I made it to the finals, Simon Cowell in a toilet seat. That's good viewing. <laughs> and I wanted to do that. The day before filming, he, he, he made this kind of announcement that he would not be chosen as a volunteer for anyone. Okay. No one was allowed to choose him. That was it. I was not allowed to choose him. So I had to choose Mel B. So Mel B, she knew that I was going to choose her for a routine, but she did not know what the routine was going to be. She was genuinely angry. <laughs> <laughs> I put a toilet seat on a Spice Girl. Apparently, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> if you watch the footage back, she takes off the toilet seat. She threw it on the ground. She broke my toilet seat wow. that night. I'm an idiot. I took a photo of it. I plastered it all over my social media, and I invoiced her for $1,000. <laughs> Because it was now a collector's edition toilet seat. <laughs> she did not pay me, but I got a lot of likes. <laughs> it's good. Is it? Spice Girl broke your toilet seat. That is, uh, could, could be a you very different story. You don't get to story. say that very often. You don't. It could be a very different story. But when you do that with, when you do that with, uh, with you know, you're doing that in clubs. And, and I know you get a very mixed audience. You get, you know, you get families. You get, I'm sure you get lots of stag yeah. nights. Yeah, we all it's, it's, kind of, it's just it's every everyone kind of likes it. Yeah, it's not it got a sort of dedicated audience. So what? And you get people up, and then you can't talk to them. And you see, I've seen you yeah. having to wait for them for the penny to drop. Yeah. About what they're meant to do. <laughs> yeah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. Just wait. <laughs> well, it is good. You do wait, wait, and they do get it. But do they sometimes not get what they have to? No, drunk, most most people get it because the task I set for an audience member is normally pretty simple. 
Because yeah. the thing is, I'm not trying to set people up to fail. I want to celebrate people being on stage. It's like there's so many, there's such a bad rep around audience participation. Like the idea, if I was to suddenly go, oh, I'm going to need a volunteer, all of you are going to freak out because none of you want to be up here with something that I'm going to do. But for me, I want to get you up on stage, give you a very easy, easy task that you will succeed. I present you and you leave the stage to the biggest round of applause and you are the hero of the show. Yeah. So for me, that's what it's all about. So I want people to have a very easy job to get it right and, 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 and win. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. Well, it is. It is a friendly. They, they normally piece. pretty win. That's pretty yeah. easy. Yeah. We put the, put the toilet seat on your head. Yeah. <laughs> that was all you needed to do. Yeah. Now I'm going to throw a plunger at you. No. <laughs> <laughs> Very straightforward. Very straightforward. And. Uh, and do you get heckled? Is it a knack that gets I heckled? find that the people who heckle, like, not really. No. Uh, to heckle tight face is the equivalent of kicking a puppy. Yeah. Uh, there's like, there's no, there's no benefit in it for anyone. Uh, nobody wins. And I also find that the audience tend to police themselves pretty well. Yeah. So it's like the people are there to see and they understand that, you know, I'm not going to reply. Yeah. And then that's. Shut up, thing. you prick, you can't talk. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Occasionally I deal with drunk men on stage. They're yeah. the worst. And then they're normally like the late night, like late and live in Edinburgh was always really yeah. fun at three in the morning. A drunk Scottish guy on stage where you're trying to get him to do one thing or the other. And my secret to that is, I can only really do it in this country because I'd probably get sued in America. Um, I, I pinch them. <laughs> I pinch them really hard under the arm, just there. And it, it sobers them up real quick. <laughs> just, you just move them from one side of the stage and you go dink like that and then you go, oh, fuck, that hurt. And it's like, yeah, do the bit, get off. <laughs> and that's it, that's great. So, yeah. Wow, that's going to be 2030's Me Too, isn't it? <laughs> That's a lot, of, a lot of men coming in. He pinched, he pinched me too. I couldn't say anything. <laughs> Some people get a tattoo on the bruise saying, I was pinched by tape face. <laughs> so, well, the, the, the America's Got Talent, obviously you got to the final, you did pretty well in the yes. final, but probably better not to win. Is I it? didn't want to win yeah. and I was ready to throw it right at the very end. Really? Yeah, there was a, I, essentially I'd planned to, I, I, I wanted to make the top five, that yeah. was my own personal goal. Um, and the only reason for that was I took a promo photo before going into America's Got Talent and it was a really cool headshot of Tape Face wearing big sunglasses and it looked really badass and I really liked it. And so every time that the voting off was happening, I went on stage with those sunglasses in my bag so I knew that if they said, Tape Face, your time is over, I would put the sunglasses on and I would walk off stage and I would post that picture and then I was going to go off social media for a month <laughs> as if I vanished. <laughs> but I couldn't do that. Uh, so, but if I'd made the top five, Nick Cannon would have come over to me and he would have talked to me and said, how was your time on America's Got Talent? And for that final show, I had my own microphone in the bag. Right. All I wanted to do was do one mic drop and walk out. Right. That's it. I never got the chance to do that. Uh. Yeah. But then the other thing that I got to do, though, was um, I, I never got a golden, a golden buzzer. Everybody wants the golden buzzer on America's Got Talent. So I never got, I never got one of those when I was on my series, yeah. but I was lucky enough to be asked to do the America's Got Talent Champions show. So what I did was I, I structured my entire routine where I got Terry Crews, the, the host of that show, to come on stage and do the stripping routine and I gave him a golden buzzer. So what they mean was, yay, I got to give him the golden buzzer. The number of people who now think I got a golden buzzer <laughs> because all of the visuals were there, the tape face was there, the golden buzzer was there and people just rewrite their own set of histories. Yeah. The number of people who think I won America's Got Talent is ridiculous. The number of people who think I won X Factor is hilarious. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I mean, you sort of have one, America's Got yeah. Talent. Yeah. I mean, did, did you have any profile in America at all before you did? Not so at all. Nothing. Which it was one of the reasons why I, I went on the show. So yeah. I, I actually went to Las Vegas about five years or five and a half, six years ago yeah. to actually think about bringing my show there. I was in talks with producers already about bringing my show over to, to Vegas. And it was then, then I realised that we didn't have any profile. Nobody knew who we were. So going on America's Got Talent was the profile boost exposure that gave us the stronger negotiations to bring the show into Vegas. Yeah. yeah. And now you've got a, is that three-year residency? Yes, three-year three year residency at Harrah's, and they, they built me a venue called the House of Tape, so I've got my own theatre. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so it's all covered as about $3,000 worth of gaffer tape holding everything together and all sorts of weird stuff. Um, and so, yeah, we, we designed the space to, based around my show, and so, yeah, so we run shows there six nights a week. Las Vegas is a weird town. I'm, yes, it is. Yeah, it's a, I, I've been there. I mean, I yeah. quite like gambling. That's why I probably wouldn't want to get a residency yeah. there. You don't, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> to live there is a strange thing. Yeah. I got stuck there for a week. British Airways, their website went down, so I got trapped there. So there are no planes coming in, no planes going out. So I got kind of stuck in Vegas for a week and I got to hang out and just watch the city work. And genuinely... If you view it like Grand Theft Auto, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> it's, there's still mafia, there's still missions, and it's a game, and I just want to win. <laughs> it's cool. I'm going to get a taxi license. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine if Tapeface picked you up in a cab? <laughs> it's, and so, obviously, there's a lot of big stars there in, in Las Vegas. Yeah. Do you hang out with Celine Dion at the show? <laughs> oh, yeah, we go down to the local McDonald's <laughs> and grab drinks, and yeah. Not really. I think there, there's, there's normality. I've met some people, like I got to meet Penn and Teller, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, the, who were the other, the, we, you know, I've been to some really strange concerts, and like the cool thing about being a headline actor in Vegas is that you get invited to go see other people's shows. Like, I got to go see Britney Spears live in concert. Right. Like, you know, I'm a good mime, she's better. Uh, she, she, she spoke twice, man. That was ridiculous. It was great. But then, you know, I got to see some other fun concerts and that sort of thing, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a bit of controversy. Can we talk about the yeah, controversy over the show? Controversy. Uh, in that you have another tape face. Yeah, man. Who does the same act. And so some people didn't know that was coming and were upset no. it wasn't the real you people doing People got frustrated. Again, yeah. this is one of the things that I've, I've been planning this for about 15 years or whatever. This has always been a part of the plan is to grow the show to the point that I want to have multiple versions of the show. Uh, one of the blueprints that I follow for all of my career has been Blue Man Group. Uh, because I like their international style. I yeah. like the way that they branched out into that thing. And so for me, being a silent character and a clown, it's a, it's a role that can be taught. And one of the reasons why I really jumped into it was because I started getting plagiarised left, right and centre. Sure. And so when I started seeing people ripping off the act, it was really frustrating because it would be like, well, they're doing that wrong, they're doing that wrong, they're doing that wrong. And then, I, But the weird thing was I was watching the audiences of these videos and the audiences were still laughing at the jokes. But I thought if I could get my hands on that guy and do it better, they would have a much better experience. Yeah. So I found a, um, a young improvising comedian from New York and I worked with him for about a year and a half. It's been fairly intensive. Yeah. And he's literally, we've, we've cloned the show. So it's, it's to the point where it's, it's, an, it's an acting gig. It's, it's like the role of tape face. It's not as improvised as everyone thinks. 
Like I've written out the script for every single action on stage of pick up the balloon with your right hand, place it under the volunteer's left arm, take three steps to the stool, move the stool to the back of the stage. It's really boring to read. It really, <laughs> really is. But for me, it has to be about show consistency because if the audience are getting the exact same experience, then that's the best bit about it. Yeah. And then the other one is that Rob, as the, the, the actor, he's also an improviser as well. So he's allowed to improvise and he's allowed to have his moments of play but he's not allowed to deviate from the script. Yeah. He can always deviate, he can add on and add on a gag, but then he has to come back to the script every time, so that way the audience are getting the same experience. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how many would you like, ideally? Well, if people were annoyed by take face number two, <laughs> yeah. then I'm gonna use this as the perfect time to say that, well, I'm going back to Vegas to start training up take face number three. Okay. So yeah, so it's pretty exciting. By the end of the year, we're hoping to have, we'll have three take faces on three different continents, okay. all running at the same time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you could just sit at home yeah, okay. I don't think yeah. I'll sit at home. I'll just hang out, <laughs> run around the world being tape faced. Jack and I could do the same thing. Do you think I can just get someone in a black and white jumper to do this? <laughs> well, it's not hard, is it? I don't think there could ever be a time there could ever be two rich experiences <laughs> there. I could get Charlie Borman to I do it, know, put yeah. a jumper on him. <laughs> I reckon it'd be right. Give him the emergency questions. Yeah. Go, you can't deviate from You can't. You've you got to say ham hand or some crew on. You, you, you play snooker with yourself. I do, don't you? yeah. yeah. What, yeah, one, okay. what one's the real Richard? <laughs> well, I only, I only want to support the real Richard, okay? <laughs> yeah, but like my, my ones all stay together in the same way. I, don't, I wouldn't farm myself out. I just split myself into more different people. So have I. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the other thing is that I've not found myself out either because I'm, no. Sam, I'm Sam Wills. I'm the human being who does the job of being tape face. Yeah. The, 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 the vocal minority who yell at me online are the people who don't actually know anything about me in the slightest. <laughs> Most of them think I'm French. <laughs> <laughs> one of the people, one of the complaints was that the, the other guy didn't have a tattoo on his inner <laughs> wrist. You're going to go, I mean, that can't be the only thing you worried about. He said, well, it was fine, but he didn't yeah, have a tattoo a, on his inner wrist. He did a great show. He had a piece of string on his arm instead. It was disgusting. I'm appalled. Yeah. No, in reality, and we do call the, the people who, and if you are listening and you are one of the vocal minority, you are one of the vocal minority. Because <laughs> um, when we've got the following of people that come to the show, it's like we, we, the theatre in Vegas, it's a 180-seater venue. We're selling it out on a consistent basis, and people are giving T2 stand. We call them T2 as well, which is real cute. <laughs> people are giving T2 standing ovations on a regular basis. So sure. for me, I'm watching audiences having a really, really good time. And also I kind of feel like in the current world climate, it's not a bad thing to be bringing a happy show to more people. No. So get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Let's ask you some... You'll notice that only half of them were clapping. <laughs> Are you the real one? Have I got the real one now, though? That's all that, are you the real one or are you the other one? Sam's very busy at the moment. Because <laughs> you nearly had to drop out, and I was just, I know. And I, I know Lee, your manager, and I said, yeah. Can't you send the other one? Send the other one in. He said, No, it won't work. I haven't seen anyone. <laughs> I'll ask you an emergency question. We'll go it's fairly old school. Well, I'll, I'll, let's ask this, let's ask a tape face based emergency question. Has tape face ever attempted to suck his own cock? <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah, that's a sad image. He, he manages to make it up. Yes, but it all started with a big joke around a skipping rope. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Right, this is for, this is for any of the tape faces. Can ask this one. Uh, have you ever seen a ghost? No, but a what? TV turned off once. What? Yeah. 
I remember I did. Th- I thought I, was, I convinced myself it was a ghost when I was a kid. I was right. about. I was about. It would have been about eight years old. And I remember having. Do you ever have one of those TVs that were built into the radio and it was a little cube and the little wire things? I don't know. I had that, and it had a little snooze touch things there. You touch the top of it and it would go to sleep. What I didn't realize was that as a child I must have knocked the snooze button. So I was watching this little TV and it just went jump, and I thought, oh. A ghost has turned it off. Yeah. Ghosts hate television. Yeah. They're just jealous because they didn't have it in those days. So, no, I don't think I've seen a ghost. No. That's terrible. <laughs> right, here's a new question I've been asking a lot. Um, if you could have one uh, piece of art or any artifact from any museum and you got to take it home from any museum in the world so it can be an art, a historical item or an object of art, and you're allowed to take it home and keep it from any museum. Is there, is there anything that you would like to own? I would like to own the uh, everlasting gobstopper from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Bravo. <laughs> Bravo that got that. It's very rare. Only, yeah. only in Richmond, brother. Yeah. He was a ma- he's wearing he's wearing an opera hat. That guy as well. I and got a monocle, you. brother. I got you. Yeah. Oh yeah. You got this. Thank you. <laughs> he can see the original anytime. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> he can. Yeah. I mean, gobstoppers, you could just buy a lot of gobstoppers. No, but the original Willy Wonka Everlasting Gobstopper yeah. was like a, like a little mine covered in different shapes and whatnot in this okay. little dome. I've seen it. It's, it's, it has been sold. I saw it on, on the TV show Porn Stars and it got sold. Okay. So the, weirdly enough, I do know that it is in a museum in Vegas, which okay. has been another reason why I'm in Vegas, because my whole mission is just to steal the gobstopper. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of my GTA plan. That's, that is a film. That is, oh, a, yeah. that is a movie. Yeah. That's a heist. Ocean's <laughs> Eleven. Uh, the gobstopper. The uh, gobstopper. <laughs> right, let's see what was, what have I got out? What have I got here? What the hell does this say? Oh no, it's right, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, this is the. I mean, like, I've seen you get asked this a lot about the the, the you know the tape. Yep. Uh, but I mean, you can't get through very much tape. I would have thought it's not that not a huge amount of tape. It's not a huge. I go through a bit. Yeah. I, in a tour, I'll go through about three rolls. Yeah. But it's not that much, is it? It's a disappointingly small amount of tape. But it's not a very Sorry. big bit of tape, is it? Do you have the same no. bit of tape for each show? No, I use one, I use one certain measurement of tape because I have to have it. When you put the tape on, you have to move your head enough so your cheeks can still move and whatnot. You have to have a clear line underneath. I have to take my lip ring out. Yeah. And then when I put the tape on, you can't put the tape down fully over your mouth because then your lip will create this weird frown shape. So there's a certain <laughs> way of putting the tape on where you have to seal the top of your lip and then just the sides of your mouth. It's very, very odd. Is, is most of the training of the other tape faces just t- Mostly telling that. <laughs> the first, the first nine months is tape. <laughs> then we do. Then we move into makeup. <laughs> uh, and there's no tape in the UK that's good enough for you. Is that right? We don't make. I good use one tape. brand called. Am I allowed a brand name? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Nashua three five seven made by Berry Plastics. Yeah. So I used. Yeah, thank yeah. you guys. Look it up. Yeah, let's have a shout out for Berry Plastics. <laughs> <laughs> They don't sponsor me, but I want them to. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe they don't. I, I was cheeky enough that when that audition went out, I emailed them. I emailed Barry Plastics and I found the name and I was like, hey, I'm this guy, I do this routine, what do you guys think? They sent me a box of 60 rolls for Christmas. Oh, ah. that's good. That's really nice. Well, they may say this is an inappropriate use of <laughs> yeah, our tape. Please, <laughs> please never contact us again. Because <laughs> I did uh, the Hitler Moustache show and I would give people a little Hitler Moustache to wear after the show. I was so close to inventing tape face. If only I'd <laughs> put it over. But I'm, I, I kind of, in the end, I got this sort of Velcro. I found the cheapest way to do it was just some Velcro. Uh, just and, yeah. and, and cut it into strips. 
But for about one in 15 people, it left quite a bad scar underneath. <laughs> That's not good. I do, if I'm doing, like the Edinburgh Fringe when I'm doing shows yeah. on and off, on and off, I do rip, I end up ripping a bit of skin off my face and right. you end up with a red square that looks kind of crazy and weird. The secret, and the worst place to rip skin off is the top lip, yeah. when you lose a bit of layer of the skin off the top lip. The secret to rebuilding the skin overnight so you can keep performing, <laughs> Elizabeth Arden eight-hour cream. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't know. It's high-quality stuff. You ladies are holding a secret. It's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> good. There's another potential sponsor. All right. sponsor us the camp. I just need a skipping rope and a blowjob and I'm away. So you did... <laughs> you did a Facebook Live show in Edinburgh. Yeah! That my uh, tour manager, James, saw. Must have it was the, it amazing. It tanked. It was oh, awesome. Did it? I, I, no, it didn't tank. It was, it was possibly one of the most creative things I've done in yeah. years. I really liked it and I really want to do it. If anyone watched it, it was really, really fun. The premise of the show was that no one's using Facebook Live in a fun way. I think people are just going, yeah, I'm live on Facebook. Hey! <laughs> and that's it. So we did this show which was taped Facebook Live where we went live at the start of the show, literally me and a performer friend from New Zealand called Vinyl Burns, and we announced that we're going to be live in 45 minutes coming up. We'll see you soon. And then we would stop the show. I would take off the tape at that point and I would talk to the audience and we would rehearse the show with our special guests in front of it. And we had one camera that we could move around and do different shots. And so we, we essentially in 45 minutes... It was kind of like rehearsing The Muppet Show. And then we went live for 10 to 15 minutes at the end of the show. And the pressure, like, for me, my agent was really worried about this because I was going live on my Take Face Facebook page. So that page has about, I don't know, 330,000 followers on there who could potentially watch us just fuck around. <laughs> and we really did. We really, we lost so many followers that month. <laughs> oh, man. But I consider that like cutting the wheat from the... It's great. It's Anyone who was just like, oh, this isn't like America's Got Talent. It's like, yeah, I know. It's awesome, isn't it? <laughs> it's real weird and real fun. Yeah. Oh, he, said, yeah. he said it was great. He said he enjoyed it being a part of it. Um, and, well, does, does this happen with comedians? You know, you, you go to a, a party or something and you meet someone and they try and give you jokes. Do not, people try and give you Not really. Mimes? No, people, no one mimes at me. <laughs> Occasionally people send me, hey, why don't you do something to this song? Right. And it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll try. <laughs> that's about it. I yeah. can't really do a lot with that. And is yeah. it usually a racist song? Because that's usually what really, I get when, yeah, I, when people really weird, yeah. I've got a great joke. There's this <laughs> Pakistani. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to stop you there, mate. I don't really... Probably, that's, but it's got a KFC tune in it. Trust me, it's brilliant. Pop culture. <laughs> and presumably you can be fairly incognito when you're, oh, yeah. when you're in real life. Again, that was one of the fun arguments for people who are going, there can be only one tape face. It's the argument that I can sit next to you on a bus and you wouldn't know it's me. Yeah. Yeah, so I can very much hide out. Because that's nice quite a normal. nice thing yeah. to, be, to be as successful as you are. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, I think that as a comedian, I think, well, there's, you know, you're getting super famous. There's, there's some advantage to it. There's a lot of disadvantages to it. Yeah. Um, being rich and, and <laughs> hanging out at celebrity parties. <laughs> no. uh, uh, but, I play but, PlayStation in my house. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I do. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's to be able to just take the stuff off and just walk yeah. out there and be, and be a completely different guy. Yeah. It is, it's, it's, it's nice. Yeah. It's the only reason I'm wearing this tonight is because I want to get a photo with you later on to put onto social media. Okay. So, otherwise, I would have just come down here in a jacket and a hoodie and just hung out, and it would have been really fun. Yeah, it's good. I don't yeah. think I, have, I might not have recognised you. You might have tried yeah, to come the in the back. Thing, yeah, everyone would just go, who's this guy? Why does, <laughs> why does he look like he's selling a big issue? <laughs> green jacket. Anybody got a gobstopper? stopper? <laughs> 
It's interesting with mine, because mine was, was very uncool, I would say, before you... I think you... you'll find it still is. Yeah, well, it's it. I mean, you've made... It's amazing to take... Because it, it, there, was a, there was a very specific idea about what mime yeah. was, or at least like the cliche of it was. I, I, I do wear the stripy top as yeah. a nod to traditional mime, and yeah. that's it. But mime people, we, we, we also, I, I call it the M word, because it is, you, you instantly have that connotation of somebody walking against the wind or stuck in a box and yeah. that sort of thing. It's horrible. I don't know. There are some really good mimes out there. I'm not one of them. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fairly loud, I don't know. Silent comedian, but it's used. It's you, I suppose. Yeah, but it's yeah. it's used as a sort of insulting thing as well as oh, yeah. my artist. Yeah, but then so is prop comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's prop true. Comic, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. it my doesn't... theory is that if the audience is laughing, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Nothing. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. If I had a skipping rope, these people would be in hysterics. <laughs> Right, I'm going to ask you another emergency question. I'm going to go late in the book because this is when I got tired. <laughs> no, I'm not, I won't ask you. That's the wrong place to ask. Uh, these are Christmas lessons. Oh, it's coming out. Oh, it might be. It's probably past Christmas by the time um, uh, we've done, this will go out. Oh, then I'll have tape phase okay. five uh, up and running. Uh, <laughs> overall, wouldn't you prefer it if your family just totted up how much Christmas cost and then divided that sum of money equally between you all? <laughs> We cancelled Christmas in our house. Did you? Yeah, it was a genuine decision. One person clapping. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it was just because we, we just all grew out of it to a degree. Right. We, it just got a bit silly for us to be buying gifts for each other that no one really wanted. Yeah. And then we tried to limit it to a, like a just spend $50 kind of thing. And then it just turned into this thing of going, why don't we just enjoy each other's company and have a really nice meal together? And that became more um, about the spirit of Christmas. And buy yourself a present. Buy yourself a present. <laughs> it's, really nice. yeah. it's amazing how much, you know, when we look at a world of like trying to cut down on waste. Yeah. How much stuff goes around Christmas? That but is, also, is... I grew up with the New Zealand Christmas. Okay. So it's summer, so you yeah. have a barbecue and you go to the beach. Uh-huh. So I only discovered Christmas in this country in, what, 2007, and that's when, oh, okay, the meal makes sense. Okay. <laughs> the number of people in New Zealand who try and cook a full Christmas dinner at, in, like, 29 degrees, 32 degrees, and you're sweating trying to yeah. cut a turkey or some shit. It's, oh, I mean, a lot of people must die. You feel like that. Oh, yeah. Just in the UK, it's freezing cold. Oh, my God. Oh, I've sweated <laughs> out Christmas. <laughs> All right, let's get out of Christmas. And... This one, that's, that's a very long question. Uh, who is the best Benny? Benny? Yeah, who's the best Benny? Best Benny. Isn't it Benny and Frankie? Benny and Frankie? Frankie yeah, and Benny. restaurant chain. Yeah. Is he the best? Oh, he does better than Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> he got named first. He did. Frankie and Benny. Oh, no, it is. Frankie and Benny. <laughs> he, did, he, did, he did worse. But it's not Frankie and Frankie. <laughs> it isn't. It's not Benny and Benny. So no. of Frankie and Benny, he's the best Benny. Okay. I like Benny from Top Cat. Ooh. Remember Benny I from do Top remember Benny from yeah. Top Cat. He might be too young. But I what? The Top Cat. Top Cat, he was like a, he was a hustler. He was Did they call it Top Cat in New Zealand or Boss Cat? No, they called it Cat Cat. <laughs> yeah, of course they called it Top Cat. It's called Boss Cat in America. Why? Because that's his name. But then they couldn't call it that in the UK because there was a, a brand of cat food called Boss, Boss cat. cat. So they had to call it Top Cat. Is that right or am I mentally ill? Yeah, I'm Top right. Cat's the right name for it. Top Cat is the UK name for it. The so Top you Cat got, is the so they, got, they sent it to Britain and then they sent the British yeah. one to New Zealand. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, good. Benny. Benny, Top Cat, fine. Top Cat. But Frankie and Benny, other Benny. Maybe okay. Benny the Cat moved in with Frankie. Yeah. And they set up. What does it come from, Frankie and Ben? Who was it, Frankie and. Dude, dude, we're lovers. Who's that? Who's that, Frankie and. Frankie and Johnny? 
Do you think that is that what they're trying to do? Are they trying to make us think of that? It's the worst restaurant chain in the world, frankly, <laughs> Benny. I don't. If you're listening, either of you, I don't want you to sponsor my podcast. <laughs> Be great if that accidentally get now because just adverts come in sometimes. I did. Uh, Benny and the Jets. Benny and the Jets. That's a good. That's I'm a good. Late good though now. I did, it's too late. I'm on to something else. I did. <laughs> I did like. I, I had a podcast. They had a podcast for the Extinction Extinction Rebellion thing, and I put a podcast out. But the, and I said, can we not have the ads come into that one? But the ads still came in, and there was an ad for the ad that came in was for car. <laughs> Yeah, be very comfortable. Yeah, buy this, buy this Ford SUV. Come on, the world's fucked anyway. So you got you have a limited amount of control, but it throws up, throws up things like. So Frankie and Benny's coming, which it might do. I was doing one about there was one that I don't know if my producer Ben Walker, who I'm indebted to, did this on purpose, but. I was talking to Mark Watson about advertising before I did adverts where I was quite cynical about it and so we're talking about the Bill Hicks stuff and as I'm talking about the Bill Hicks stuff, that's an ad break in the middle of a sentence. So an ad comes on. I don't think it's on purpose, but maybe Bill Hicks... Maybe that's a ghost. Maybe that's a ghost. Bill Hicks turned Bill... off my TV. He did. <laughs> he, hates... he hates us for living. <laughs> um, one more emergency question at random. Are oh, they all coming up in the wrong pieces? All right, okay. Have you, this is good because you've travelled a lot. Have you ever been on a plane that's been in an emergency and seen a genuine look of fear on the face of a flight attendant? No. Have you not? No. I've got a good friend, David Young, who has, though, right. and he's afraid of flying, and I keep forgetting that he's afraid of flying. And then I've seen all the flying shows as well, so I keep mentioning all the accidents. Yeah. And I'm there the worst. Occasionally, he will tell me off very seriously. To go. So was he in something? He that... was. In, yeah, I think he had a situation that was he saw panic and terror. Yeah. And, and, and I forget that. And I make jokes. Yeah, it's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, if you've had one, it's not going to happen again. That's the way I look at it. That's your... <laughs> if you got through one. Oh, I stood up too quick on a plane once Did and you... fell over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> If there was a moment of panic and terror, I had it. <laughs> was that when the plane had landed? And no, been... I don't know. I think yeah. there was a lot of altitude and a okay. lot of red wine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a Valium. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a very nervous flyer. <laughs> and so, do you, are, you, are you living out? Have you, have you, are you based anywhere or are you living out of a suitcase? I live between anywhere? Heathrow Terminal 4 and LAX. Yeah. That's pretty much No, I, I live in Las Vegas now. I yeah. much, even though the residency is there till 2000. 21, we are hoping that we will extend the run. We've got the, the, we're the type of show that does hit the right demographic for Vegas because it's suitable for families, it's suitable for international audiences and whatnot, so hopefully they will extend it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I'll consider Vegas home. And Vegas also, it is, they say it's the entertainment capital of the world. I'm not sure it's the quality entertainment capital <laughs> of the world, but it is the entertainment capital of the world because they do do shows there. So many shows happen and so many audience members come through. So it's a bit like the show doesn't have to move. The, the audiences are the ones who are on tour. Yeah. Which makes it very difficult because it's a whole new beast to, to try and sell to an audience that literally flushes every three days. So you've got new people coming in every three days yeah. to go, well, you've got to try and tell them again. Here's a show, here's yeah. a show. Whereas there's, so there's no, there's no like Edinburgh, get a buzz, get a word of mouth thing going no. at all, no. Do you have leafleters? Do people go out leafleting for you? I, um, I actually introduced Street Team. Did to, you? Yeah, because everyone else was just doing these big cars driving around and whatnot. And, and I, I think that it's a very simple, straightforward form of advertising. So I got a couple of my friends and said, do you guys want to be Street Team? They had two crappy jobs. And they yeah. were like, yeah, we'll be doing this. And so that we, do, we go on the streets and we just hand out flyers and talk to people. Yeah. And just I think that's always a nicer way of doing it, actually telling people a bit about the show and then they come and see it. Well, I've never really thought of the, you know, that you're actually in a situation where... Well, 
not like you say, yeah. not the audience is is not there most of the time, and there's a lot of competition. There's for a stuff. lot of competition, so and you're like, up against fantastic, these yeah. amazing shows. So Cirque du Soleil are just like the biggest shows, but yeah. then these other shows become like Cirque du Soleil are like the the, uh, the McDonald's of entertainment over there. Like there's so many Cirque du Soleil shows, and there's so many. They're almost just become a bit of a cliche in themselves. And then the the alternative shows to Cirque du Soleil have been, you know, some really other cool, edgy ones, late night kind of comedy. But they're now almost tipping into the mainstream because they're making so many versions of themselves as well. Yeah. So now there's shows like, I don't know if you know Amy Misbehave, her Misbehave's game show. Yeah. So she's over in Vegas as well with her show. So her show and my show have become like the weird cult, quieter little ones that they're the alternatives. So it's like, yeah, yeah go see Cirque du Soleil if you want to spend, you know, $300 and watch somebody in spandex jump around to the tunes of Enya. I don't know. <laughs> and then, then or you can, yeah, it's pretty much it. Or you can come and see a really random, like to see a fringe festival style show in Vegas is a lot of fun when you also get to throw some of the Vegas production values into it as well. It's yeah. pretty good. Cool. Um, do you have a, you, well, now this is getting very specific, but this is just, I, I was sort of imagining you living like in a hotel room in Las Vegas, but do you have a house in Las Vegas? I, I do have a house. They did yeah. want me to live in a hotel room right. initially, and they said, you can eat at the employee dining room every day. And I was like, no, I fucking won't. <laughs> no, I, 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 lived, I lived just off the strip for the first year. I lived in an apartment block where I could walk to work. Yeah. And so living in the strip was really, really cool because I just, well, I, I didn't drive, so I just got to walk around everywhere, which was kind of fun. But after... After a year of that, the novelty of Vegas does wear off. But yeah. in saying that, I've never seen any problems in Vegas. I've never seen a fight. I've never seen any issues. I've never seen anyone sort of having any problems or yelling or screaming. And, and like people just walk around drinking left, right and centre. Yeah. And I always think if that was here, man, it'd be carnage. It'd be like <laughs> 28 days later. <laughs> With a, Pina coladas everywhere. <laughs> but it's, it's sort of, well, from my experience, I'm glad I went for, I think I stayed for about three days, which was That's insane. perfect. But it's insane for me. I, was, yeah. I, I didn't go see any shows, I just gambled. Gamble. <laughs> and you're stuck in these you know, airless, windowless, yep. weird yep. rooms. And you, They've uh, all got their own smells as well. Right. Every casino does genuinely have their own scent. Yeah. So you can learn the smell of the Luxor, the smell of the Flamingo, and they've all, got, they've all got their own different styles of carpets as well. The carpets are all designed so you don't look at them. So, so they've got a horrible patterns. So you don't want to look at them. So you keep your eye line up. So you're looking at the machines. Yeah, it's creepy, isn't it? Yeah, it's really. Well, you lose track creepy. of time. You lose complete yeah, there's track no of clocks, time. There's no nothing. They, they, they yeah. So everyone's sort of zombie. Everyone's sort of zombies oh, in, yeah. in a different way than 28 years. It's just proper uh, like zombies would be. Oh fuck off! I'm not chasing you. I'm tired. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's a it's a strange place. It is, yeah. But now I live I live just out in the suburbs. So when I go, I finish my show and I drive twenty five minutes out of into normality, where it's like, oh, it was normal as a Walmart is, I suppose. But but in the suburbs where there's just you know normal things, and I can see the strip in the distance okay. and just yeah, it's normal. It's nice. Okay. Have you ever been accused by a, a, a shop assistant at a supermarket of buying too much of one product? Because <laughs> that happens to me all the time. I used to shop in a place called Red Rocket down yeah. in South End, and uh, the the woman there—it was one of those shops that and, uh, you only get in the UK. You can't find them anywhere else. One of the shops that sells everything, you know, the ones that they're like, oh, here's a bit of food, here's some stuff, here's this, thing, all the aisles. And I used to—she used to let me just walk up and down the aisles, listening to music, because that's how I would workshop my ideas: listening to music, picking out props, and playing with them. With the plunger throwing thing at Mel B. Yeah. Originally, I built a, uh, I had a crossbow. I actually traded. This is a weird story. I traded a set of <laughs> I traded a set of bouncy stilts 
for a guy's crossbow. He built a crossbow that could shoot a plunger. So we made a deal and we swapped. So he had my stilts and he bounced away and I got this crossbow. So the crossbow could shoot a plunger, but I had to modify the plunger slightly. So I went to Red Rocket and I bought three plungers. Yeah. And I came home and I adjusted the plungers and I kept shooting them. The whole thing kept blowing up in my face like Wile E. Coyote. So I had to go back to the shop and buy another four plungers. So I got more plungers. In the course of a day, I bought about 15 plungers. <laughs> she didn't say anything. <laughs> She's been trained. She's been trained yeah, to that. You. She never questioned. <laughs> that guy once. has done a massive shit. shit. Yeah, there's a lot. He's trying to persist with the ones that we've got. Coming back with broken plungers, going, "Oh, this one broke. <laughs> Got to get another one." Oh. I also had an experience. It's happened to me a lot. Where I went, I actually was buying stuff for a party. So I bought. A lot, party. I bought quite. It was a real party. <laughs> I bought lots of booze uh, and I bought like cleaning stuff. But I basically just had a few things came through, and, and the woman was one of those women going, Oh, are you having a party? I said, Yeah, yeah, because of the booze. And then all the cleaning stuff she had, that's for cleaning up after the party. You go, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I said, No, that's good. for getting rid of the body. <laughs> <laughs> and then Chris came through, those are the snacks for the party. And then I bought a lot of toilet roll. Just, uh, <laughs> just, and that came through, and then she didn't say anything. <laughs> what do you think that's for? Look at stuff. Happens to me a lot. You off out trick or treat? <laughs> <laughs> Happens to me a lot. People, I don't think they should comment. That should be the first rule of being working at a supermarket. Well, don't talk to them. Don't about talk to people. Don't comment. You can don't talk to them about. You can't uh, say what have you bought that for. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. No, it I once bought some very lazy garlic, and then I went, oh, very lazy garlic, lazy. <laughs> Fuck off, mate. Was he, You're selling it. Was he sitting down at the register at the time? What a prick. What a prick. Stand up and insult me at least. <laughs> it's quite good just have a shop where the guy stocks stuff and then takes the piss out of you for buying it. Yeah. You fucking cunt. Get some, we got proper garlic. I just thought I'd try this. You're too good for real garlic now, huh? <laughs> got your podcast. <laughs> Right, well, we're near, I think we're nearly uh, at an end. Unfortunately, let me just check. I haven't missed anything very important. No. <laughs> <laughs> I got it all in. Oh, well, what, what happened with your... You, you had a BBC show? Did you have a... Did you I had have a, a pilot. Yeah. yeah, what happened with that? Um, uh, well... I was, was that before the... I was I dealing with the BBC. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. It's uh, it was a bit frustrating because I don't think... And in hindsight, I'll say it because, quite frankly, fuck them. I never got to make the thing I wanted to make. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I remember at one point... No, it was fine. I'd love to do something else again. I've written out some more other bits and pieces. It was a good concept for a show. I wanted to write a show that was a series of sketches, a series of stand-up comedy, and also some animation and some other stuff as well, and music. I wanted to put a bit of a... Again, I always go back to the Muppet Show. I want to have yeah. something which is timeless. And things like Monty Python, you can still watch again and again and again, and it doesn't have a lot of references of time. Yeah. So I wanted to create something like that. And uh, yeah, it just got pushed in a few different areas that I never really got it to, to sort of fly by on. But, have, yeah. you seen, I don't, have you seen Spencer Jones's I stuff? I have. He's his, his TV show is extraordinary. It, but he's done it the right way because he's doing yeah. little short soundbite ones. It's yeah, like yeah. 10-minute perfect surrealism and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, hopefully. What, 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 do, you, do you know what's coming next? Have you got plans for... Put a few plans. Yeah, is there anything you can tell us about? T7. <laughs> <laughs> you need more. You need to train up, like, a room of the guys. Not one at a time. Not at a time. You it's need to get, like, work. an audience like this. 200 people. 
All right, everyone, get the tape and put it here. All right. Take out your tongue pierce. Ah, too late. Choked to death. Oh, well. Um, and you, are you off after this? You're off to Europe and then back and then back yes. to Las Vegas. Back to, to promo for doing a residency in Paris for two months for yeah. November December, and then back to Vegas and then doing a tour in Holland and then some other touring. Will you be coming back to the UK? Any plans to come back to the UK? I'd like to. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll come back. Well, one of us will. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never know. <laughs> Except the other one's five so nine. He's like, okay. I don't know where. Well, I'll, if you need, it, I reckon I could do it. It's just messing around in it with gloves and stuff. <laughs> Well, this is easy. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, record. Blah, 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 blah. Record. Oh, snooker, snooker, snooker. Blah, 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 blah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Take Face. Samuels. Thank you very much. Go and have a drink. Go and have a drink. We'll be back next week. You have been listening to Rahul. Stepa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Tapeface. But which one was it? No one will ever know. That's a beautiful secret. Thank you very much to Pest for providing the music for this program. Thank you also very much to everyone at the Richmond Theatre. We are made super welcome. Thank you very much to Chris Evans, not that one, and his team from Go Faster Stripe. And thank you to everyone at ACAS, as well as the British Comedy Guide. I, I, I owe you guys too much to be ever able to pay you back, but I hope a little mention in this credits will suffice. I'd like to thank my tour producer, James Hingley. I'd like to thank my series producer, Ben Walker. I'm indebted to my executive producer, Gregory Geggs Watt. Uh, and that's his name, it's not a question. He's a wonderful executive producer. He's the most handsome so far. I hope the others won't mind me saying that. But also, he's tender. He's a tender executive producer. Some of them are mean. You've seen the stories in the paper and Gregory is a nice one. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying the others weren't nice too. They've all been nice so far, but watch out for the executive producers. What do they do? Who knows? This is a Fuzz Go Faster Strike and Sky Potato production. Hey, why not head down to yongofasterstripe.com, buy some trumps, become a badger. Start taking a look through my uh, catalogue of stand-up shows. You can download them, you can buy them on DVD. There's some books in there as well. Everything for the discerning idiot who wants to spend some money on stuff. Thank you. Bye.